Welcome to Nice Ashes. I'm Mike. And I'm Nate. What are we smoking tonight? We're doing our CAO flavors. We're on the second yes. to last one, I believe. Uh, is it the second to last or is it the last? No, we, we have got a special a, episode with one of we, the We have a special episode. We're doing the, uh, what is it called? The uh, Gold Honey. This is t- the Gold tonight. Honey. And then yep. next episode, we're going to do a Cherry Bomb. Yes. Yes. And then we, we decided so we we're. And then we decided we're going to revisit the uh, moon trance, but uh, we're going to do the torpedo instead of the um, the regular, as it were. Yes. Yep. And then later on, we have a blood red moon uh, cherry cigar that uh, we've. Talked, but that's we've not CAO. No, that's not CAO. No, no. So that we're we're about that's to cult. we're. This is our second to last CAO flavor we haven't tried. We're going to go back and revisit the Moon Trance um, at the end, just to kind of bookend it. Yeah, because the Moon Trance is the only one we've liked so far. So. <laughs> yes. Um, I don't. I don't know, man. Um, you're gonna to have to tell me, but. I'm getting kind of some uh, bad vibes, um, a la Bella Vanilla, off of the first few puffs here. I'm not, I'm not thrilled about the uh, tobacco quality, um, just up front. I, but to be fair, uh, we got to give it at least an inch, inch and a half. I am not thrilled with the quality of the cigar roll itself. It's yeah. very loose, in my opinion, and. Uh, the flavor is acidic, but I am getting some honey on it. What's the, uh, isn't the saying loose cigars sink ships or something like that? Something like that. Something very close to that, at least. Yeah. Um, I've got a, you know, I've got a little bit of wind down here. It's a hundred, a uh, hundred degrees Fahrenheit, um, both where Mike is and where I am. Um, it's kind of just a hot, hot, hot summer day. Yes. And where I'm at, the, uh, thunder, is starting. I can hear it. I'm sure that it's uh, going on in the background for me. Okay. So. Well, just, uh, you know, we're smoking cigars and we can't always be inside, inside where everything's nice and quiet. So that's why you listen to us because we're actually smoking these cigars when we're recording this podcast. Yes. Um, yeah. So Gold Honey, uh, that's what we're smoking tonight. I've got myself half of a gin and tonic left. Uh, this is my second gin and tonic of the evening. Uh, and then I've got a Natural Light Natter Days Strawberry Lemonade uh, queued up for when I'm done with my gin and tonic. So You got some of those, huh? Well, my uh, wife went on a camping trip and brought some back. And I thought, it's 100 degrees. I will drink that. Um, but Mike and I had a little uh, seance or powwow together. Uh, we didn't record any episodes, but we smoked a ton of cigars, and uh, he introduced me to these uh, Natty Light um, Natter Days, and they're strawberry lemonade-flavored beer, but I would say, like the Moon Trance, very tasty. Um, it's not overdone on the lemonade. It's a nice uh, nice blend of lemonade and beer, so if you see them, uh, don't be hating. What do you want to talk about tonight, Mike? Mike's on mute. He may I be he back. may be dying. Oh, he's back. He's back. I am back. I apologize about that. I had to let the uh, third co-host inside. Yes. And she uh, grabbed the cord 
for my headphones, my head jacket, and ripped it off. <laughs> Accidentally. <laughs> Accidentally. She wants all the all the spotlight to herself. She does. She she does. So, uh, but yeah. So your your wife went on a camping trip and got some. Yes. After, I don't know if uh, she bought them or if uh, her camping compatriot bought them. But the the fact remains is she brought some she brought two of them home so um, I gotta snag it before she gets her hands back on it. Yes, and this is from okay. somebody who really enjoys craft beer and hazy IPAs. But uh, these are well worth it. Yeah, they're good, especially for a hot summer day. Yes, I'm drinking uh, Guinness. Okay, cellar not, Guinness. Not uh, not my. Uh, Preference for a hundred degree weather day, but you do you. Well, I've been drinking ice water all day. I've also been staying inside. I had the day off. Yeah. Well, why don't we talk about that first? Because there was something that was really kind of like uh, irking me about today. Um, Okay. And for those of you who don't know or might know, um, because, you know, we record things and then we edit them and then we post them online. Um, so it'll be like a week later when you when everybody's listening to this. Uh, but today is the observed day of Ju- of Juneteenth, and uh, for those that don't those that don't know, uh, this is the day that uh, what the 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 federal armed forces marched into Texas and uh, demanded they end slavery. Yes, this is the last day that. Uh black people en masse were enslaved, but not the last day of slavery in the United States. Uh, the last day black people were in mass enslaved in the United States, but also not the last day of slavery in the United States. Um, and not the last day of slavery of any people, uh, worldwide. Um, but, uh, I did want to talk just, um, up front of some things that I learned, Kind of through, you know, like the Instagram stories and things, but also that's where I saw some stuff that kind of upset me greatly. Um, and I was reading that, you know, well, even before my reading, words words have certain powers. And, you know, uh, if you're a writer, if you are a reader, um, if you are interested in kind of communicating with people in general, you know that the word the word choices that you make greatly affect the message that is received based uh, irregardless of what the intended message may be, right? So if you, you can pick certain words and certain words have certain connotations and certain words have um, different meanings maybe or more subtle meanings. Uh, so word choice is important. Let's just say that. Um, and I was reading that, um, you know, calling somebody a slave is maybe a diminutive of of their experience as, as a person. And so calling them enslaved, you know, making it something that happened to them and not, not like the defining word uh, that sums them up. Um, so I think that maybe is important to just begin with. And that's something that I can definitely get behind. Um, I know that words... Words and your word choices ha- greatly influence how your message is received. That is true. But I will also note that the people who are having a conversation about this have never been chattel slaves. So, Well, 
And it's, and that's and that's where my second point comes in. So I just first wanted to say that yes, you know, wording matters. Um, calling somebody a slave versus calling them an enslaved person, there's a, a definitely a different meaning there, uh, and one that certainly I never thought of. So I think just in general, it's very very good to you know think about the words that you use. And, may, and maybe it's solely based on the words that your parents and grandparents used. Uh, I know for me, that's that's very, very true. Um, so that's one thing. Okay, that's its own thing. Uh, that's something I can get behind. You know, if, if, uh, if uh, referring to, to that uh, terrible uh, part of our country's history um, as calling them enslaved instead of calling them slaves, that's fine with me. Not, not a big deal. Um, I just wanted to kind of mention that for awareness for everybody. Um, but to Mike's point, nobody alive today, because Juneteenth happened in, what, 1865? I believe so. So nobody alive today, you'd be, you'd be 100 and, almost, 100, almost 160 years old. So there are currently no living formerly enslaved people uh, in the United States. Uh, formerly enslaved uh, by the United States in the United States. Maybe you, maybe somebody fled from somewhere else where their slavery is still happening, uh, and they're here now. Um, but certainly well, nobody. There's, there's no people who were slaves who were directly who directly benefited from uh, the freedom of the slaves after the Civil War, because there were well, there might be some people alive who were uh, enslaved as a part of the incarceration system. Uh, because that yes. didn't end until the 1940s. So, How, um, however, Juneteenth is not celebrating 1940. No, Juneteenth, no, Juneteenth, Juneteenth is celebrating the official end of slavery in the United States as an institution. Yes, might there have been other other things, uh, indentured servitude, or or what have you? Uh, the the Japanese concentration camps in World War II. Yes, uh, we're talking about the ending of slavery as an institution. Sure. And the PO, the, we had POW camps. Yeah. Uh, and um, they definitely use those people as labor. Yes. Uh, which I, most people would not disagree with. But. Uh, if you do or don't, it's beside the point of, of what we're getting at here is there's not a living enslaved person anymore. Um, not in the United States. Not in the United States. And if they're in the United States, they fled somewhere else. They're not. They're not a uh, victim of American enslavement, of American right. slavery. Uh, there's nobody alive today in America who owned enslaved people. Not in the United States. There are not in the not in the United States. Owned enslaved persons um, in other countries. Well, yes, and, and and the same thing is true. There's nobody alive in the United States who, under the American slavery institution, owned an enslaved person. Okay, because that ended in 1865, which was far too long past the uh, 13th Amendment. I'm right in my numbers on that. 14th Amendment, I believe. 14th. Oh, no. 14th um, Amendment was the Civil Rights Act. Yep, 13th Amendment. was uh, abolishing slavery. Um, so there's nobody nobody alive in America who suffered or profited under American slavery. There may be heirs yes. of, of, of rich people 
uh, but they never directly owned any enslaved people. Um, so this brings me to my point here, and this is this is my my thing. Um, and also to to further be clear, I did not have the day off. It's a federally recognized holiday, and I worked. Okay, uh, Mike works for the state. He had the day off, and that's fine. Yes, and, and you one know of what? My coworkers had to work today because he is. His union didn't ratify the holiday last contract cycle. Okay. Uh, but so also on Instagram, where I also saw the, you know, slave versus enslaved, um, a lot of people were posting, if you have the day off, you need to make reparations to African Americans. And I thought to myself, that is some absolute horseshit. <laughs> and... Right. And if I'm if what? I so okay so if I'm if I'm wrong if I'm out of line here let me know but no 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 that, okay somebody online posted that multiple people shared this shared this same thing people that if you're you know if you if you don't have to if, if you don't have to work today well it's people that generally post in my opinion they generally post things that are you know more thought provoking they're maybe a little more left leaning. Um, than, than most other things, you know, they're, they're kind of anti Elon Musk and anti Trump, uh, but they're also anti Biden in, in some senses, because it's just kind of like, you know, but sometimes they veer fairly heavy into like all white people are bad kind of thing. Um, well, I mean, we, we could have a very long discussion about that. Uh, well, yeah, concept. it's been around for a while. Yes, that's true. Uh, but I just thought, my God, like, here we are. We're all wage slaves. Okay. I mean, most of us. Um, we don't, we don't, you know, what inflation was? Uh, 40, 40 year high. I'm not even 40 years old. This is the highest it's ever been in my lifetime. Uh, 8.6%. And, you know, my increase is going to be this year. It's not going to be 8.6. I'll tell you that right, right up front. Um so it's like you just you slowly fall down this hill, right? Like you're clawing up this sandy hill, uh, but inflation outpaces raises, uh, and cost of living increases. You know, eight to one. You know, five to one year after year after year. So, um, right. You know, but then they're telling then they're telling me, but I didn't even have the day off, so I guess it's not me. It's you, Mike. It's all your fault. Um, but they're telling people, you have the day off. It's a federal holiday. Everybody's supposed to have it off. Everybody's supposed to have it off. But if you have it off, you have to make reparations to a to an African-American person. Like, not, I wasn't, I didn't, I never owned any enslaved people. I don't know anybody who was an enslaved person. That doesn't mean they're not out there, but math tells me that they're not. At least in America. Sure. Uh if you want reparations, you know what? Instead of coming after my $5 or my $20, uh, petition the government. They can they can shift some money from the military-industrial complex and give it to some African-American people. But then that's got to be it. You can't, like, you can't just keep doing it. You know what I mean? Well, there are, you know, there's the reparations argument. Is, it's been happening since before our, our time, obviously. But I, as far as I was aware, the whole concept behind uh, quotas in hiring and, uh, you know, 
the quota system for college admissions and those sort of things. Were You're talking affirmative action. To, well, there's affirmative action and then there's like various versions of it. I suppose it is all affirmative action, you know. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, we've discussed the hiring policies of certain organizations that I've worked for in the past and all of them uh, give extra credit for not being a white man, basically. And then college admissions yeah. are the same, too. And I figured all that was the reparations, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, when you create a 14-point system into which I, as a white man, can only get 11 out of 14, then that's a pretty unfair advantage uh, for other people, assuming they have equal qualifications. Yeah. Um, and that's, I mean, whatever. It's just the way that it is. Yeah, and that's not taking into account, you know, uh, generation upon generation of, you know, enslavement, um, no, not equal no, rights, not. Uh, segregation. So uh, I'm just trying but to as say, you like, just said I have never directly benefited from that. Yeah. Yes, you. As, as I'm just saying, as you and you and you and me, um, you know. And and it's not to it's not to justify slavery at all because it's 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 terrible. Uh, it's 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 not a good. Uh, you some know, people would um, justify slavery. I some people would, uh, but on, nobody uh, that I would be friends radio with. Shows. Well, I hear arguments on conservative radio shows that aren't an outright call for slavery, but uh, the consequences of what they're saying would re-enslave large sections of the population yeah you know, but i'm just I'm, I'm, I'm just gonna go out there and say that i am 100 against slavery in any form uh, shape or fashion um but the fact of sure. the matter is i mean like let's look at this historically and you as a history major um in the grand scheme of life and everything the small slice of time where slavery was legal in the United States pales in comparison to world history where slavery was accepted. Yes. Because, because when you refresh my memory, when did America uh, break free from Britain? Uh, 1784, I would say. I think that's what it was. Yeah, but they issued the declaration in 1776. Well, that's when they issued the declaration, but they they formally won the war. Yeah. So let's just be, let's be, you know, uh, let's just say 1776. Let's be generous. (laughs) And say 1776 to 1865. That sounds like less than 100 years to me in American history where we had slavery. Because everything pre-1776, that's not Britain. Sorry. Um, Sure. Can't help you there. That's Britain's fault. I'm not taking ownership of that. Um, right. And while the mainstream uh, narrative around American slavery doesn't include the native population that was enslaved. No. It and, include, and, but it goes all the way back. Uh, the servants. That yeah. Were, it goes all the way back you know, to, though, to a Plymouth Rock, Rock when, we fir- when British people first landed here. Like, they're sure. more than happy My family, to— my my original progenitor was a, a dentured servant in New England, so uh, yeah, 
it's they definitely have versions of slavery in the United States from the yeah earliest days of colonization. Let's put it that way. Uh, so before we continue uh, the enslavement slavery debate that's raging hard and fast here on Nice Ashes, I'm about yes. halfway done with this uh, gold honey. And I have to say, it's really kind of, I've warmed up to it. You have. Yes, you have. I'm, See, I'm halfway I, through, uh, and I've got just a slight honey, just a slight hint of honey. And, uh, I, well, I'm drinking a gin and tonic, so that's kind of dry, right? Dry and harsh. And um, sure. it's a little bit of honey in this cigar. It's, uh, I don't know that I'd go out and buy another one, but... It's 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 probably my second favorite so far. I like it better than Eileen Stream. Um, See, and I don't. I I don't like the tobacco. Okay. I do get the taste of honey, but yeah. the tobacco to me maybe it's because I'm smoking it too fast. I'm also about halfway through. Okay. But it tastes uh, harsh. I don't like the tobacco at all. Well, and, and mine it might doesn't. Be a bad pairing with the Guinness too. Yeah, that could be, and I think you know pairing is is huge, um, and I'm not and I'm not going to discount that. But I've got this new ashtray uh, that I got for my birthday, and it's a big like chalice, and it's got four welded on cigar holders. So I've been setting mine on the cigar holder there, man, and it just it sits there, it sits there, and it's never going to roll off, even in the wind. Um, it's great. It's a it's a beautiful ashtray. I love it. Um, it is a very nice ashtray. So I've been I've been setting it on there and kind of you know so I'm not, I'm smoking it I'm I'm taking deep puffs but I'm not smoking fast so um, nothing's tasted harsh to me uh, I am you know almost done with my second gin and tonic for the evening it's a hundred degrees I've been outside drinking uh, since five <laughs> so uh, since five p.m. and it's uh, it's eight p.m. now so it's about three hours of uh, good solid drinking but. You know, it pairs well with the tonic. You know, the tonic's a little uh, little bitter, the quinine or whatever. So um, I think it's a good complement to that. I don't know if I was drinking like a sweeter beer or something. Um, I don't know if it would be as good. Yeah, because I'm I'm trying not to puff too hard on it. But that, that tobacco just has a little bit of a sour taste to it to me. Maybe it's my humidor. I don't think so. I wouldn't think so. <laughs> I don't think it is, but uh, I can definitely taste the honey. But you, but so you so, don't like uh, this as much as Eileen Stream, the Irish whiskey. Uh, I don't like the tobacco as much. The flavor on this is better. Okay, the and maybe that's the difference. Is, is uh, the flavor here is better? Definitely. Uh, oh, for sure. The, the flavor here is second only to the Moon Trance so far. Uh, but I don't think th- uh, you might be right about the tobacco. Uh, not being even as good as Eileen's Dream because this is a little bit lighter wrapper again. Uh, and I remember yes. the Bella Vanilla was a lighter wrapper. So I don't know if it's just when they wrap wrap them with the lighter wrappers, if it's a different tobacco that they use. Um, or oh, what. and but I, I could... definitely, uh, I'm open to the suggestion that it's me because I usually do not smoke uh, Cameroon wrapper cigars. You know, I'm usually a yeah. Maduro, yeah. Maduro kind of guy. Well, me, me as well, but, um, you know, I think the, uh, the honey, I think that's a great, a great flavor. I don't think it's overpowering. 
uh, like the Bella Vanilla was. That was that was terrible. Um, the but it's is it's, it's more do. it's more prevalent than the Eileen's Dream, where we, you know we were kind of only getting like a vague creaminess. Uh, but this one, you definitely do get a honey flavor. But it's not overpowering. Um, but so that's our halfway check-in. I just wanted to, to pop back in with... Um, so far, I've been fairly Absolutely. impressed with this one. Um, like I said, I don't know that I'd necessarily go out and, and buy it. You know, I'd, I would go out and buy more Rune Trance. Um, because, you know, if it comes down to it and you're saying like, hey, you got to smoke a flavored flavored cigar i'd be like moon trance moon trance all the way you know what about the gold honey oh, I, I'll, yeah. nope it'd be moon trance i give moon trance to people all the time because uh they're good they're really good this is not an episode about moon trance though <laughs> no it's not it's not but you know this is our what you know uh moon trance bell vanilla it's our fourth episode of the cao flavors and we promised mm-hmm. the listeners a hard blow by blow, which one is best? And you that know, I, I do not foresee the moon trance being dethroned, but I'm open to the possibility that it will be. Um, but it's not going to be I'm this one either. Definitely, it's not going to be this one. I have smoked the CAO uh, cherry pipe tobacco. Okay. And I like the CAO cherry pipe tobacco. So we shall see. Uh, but I will tell tell you and the listeners that uh, right now, the stack ranking first first place is Moon Trance. Uh, second place is probably the Gold Honey. Third place, by a slim slim margin, would be the uh, Eileen Stream, and then somewhere fifty thousand spaces down is the Bella Vanilla. I would generally agree with that assessment. I would say that the moon trance is that's like S tier, you know. That's, yeah. Yep. I I always have uh, a half a box of those in my humidor. Uh, yeah, and and you know I what really this like this one here, the gold honey. You might not like the tobacco flavor, but the flavoring of the honey is is fine. Um, yes, absolutely. So it's a nice it it's a nice summer. You know, nice summer. Hey, I want a little sweeter. I don't want it overly sweet. Um, you know, the, they got the flavor right on this one. So that's, uh, you know, that's good. The tobacco, they could probably up the tobacco quality. Um, but they didn't. So it is what it is. I wonder if this would be better if it was a natural wrapper instead of a Cameroon. You know, it probably would. I don't mind natural wrappers. I, I've had a couple green cigars and I like them. They're good. So I don't know. Hard to say. It's tough to say, um, especially with these flavored cigars. You know, it's tough to kind of pick out the palate. Um, you know, is it the tobacco? Is it the wrapper? Is it the flavoring? Um, is it something else? You know, is it, a, is it a loose wrap? Is it a, you know, some kind of manufacturing defect? Um, I don't, See, I don't, and as I we've don't been think. Talking. Yeah, I'm, the flavor is actually getting a lot better now. That is okay. Past the halfway point. It it took me, me to to about the halfway point for it to like. I, that's why I wanted to mention it because I was like, man, this one's finally coming into its own. Um, you know, the first the first half or you know forty five percent of the cigar, it wasn't anything anything that I was excited about. Uh, it wasn't as harsh as the Bella Vanilla, so 
in my mind, that's a win in terms of our CAO flavors, you know, smoke off, but. Right. It wasn't offensive. It wasn't offensive. It was one that, uh, you know, if somebody said, man, I don't like, I don't like vanilla flavor. I don't want the moon trance right now. My second would be, well, do you like honey? Um, right. You know, if we were, if we were somehow in a circumstance where it was like, I will only smoke a CAO flavor. I won't smoke anything else, but I don't like vanilla. Um, <laughs> it would be this one. So far. So I would also like to mention totally different topic. Uh, Uvalde happened between the last episode where, if I remember correctly, I kind of shit on the police and this episode. So yes. I would like the listeners to know that my opinions were not uh, affected by any uh, events that have been going on or were going on. Yes. Uh, and which, I would course, also say that, uh, between, um, like, I think two episodes ago, maybe more, I don't know. There's one episode we were talking about capital punishment. Mm-hmm. Um, people who shoot up schools, top of the list, top of the fucking list. Um, <laughs> you know, I remember, um, You know what? And it's sad. Um, It's really sad because I enjoy shooting guns. Uh, I enjoy hunting uh, to a certain extent. Um, I've never shot anybody. I don't want to shoot anybody. Um, I've always practiced very, very responsible gun ownership, gun handling. Um. I think it was uh, Newtown, Newton. Um, There was one that happened when I was in college, and it was like the first elementary school shooting or something, and and I remember just crying. Um, And this was before I had kids. Um, But it was just so sad. Uh, And I can't... I don't... I don't know. Uh, I mean, we did active shooter drills in my school, like my last maybe a year in high school, um, you know, and it's put, put cardboard in the window of the door and close the blinds and basically, you know, hide under your desk as if a, an atomic bomb in the 1950s was going off. Um, but there's these people out there that think arming teachers is the answer. And I don't know about anybody else, but I was, I always had good grades, but I was never like, you know, rah-rah fan of the teachers so i don't know if anyone can imagine (laughs) what having an armed teacher would be like it would be like prison Uh, Um, arming the teachers would be a serious mistake i don't want to offend anybody when i say this but people who are school teachers are either true believers in whatever educational cause that they're doing or they are the lowest common denominator uh, well, and regardless of know, all of they that, they just don't pay teachers enough money to get truly competent people. And you don't, well, 100%. Want who are not a hundred percent there. Well, and let's carrying guns around children. Let's be uh, very, very clear. They don't pay enough to always get competent people, but the competent people that they do get, because they do get competent people. But they are there because of their heart, because of their life's mission, because of, of some deeper thing than money, than pay. Um, they're there I, 
I'm not saying that's uh, right or wrong. I'm not saying a like positive view. I'm going to take a negative view. They're there take, for their you know, agenda. That could is be usually political or personal or whatever, you know, uh, that could be, that could be, you know, and there certainly are teachers like that. Um, and you know what, in all of my years of schooling, and I don't remember what the, what the number is, the average American gets because, you know, you start in kindergarten, sometimes you get pre-K and then if you go to like a four-year college, it's like, I don't know, 20, you know, 18 or 20 years of schooling, right? So you get, you get all these people. Uh, when I look back at my entire educational career, as it were, um, my in- educational indentured servitude, as it were, there's maybe two, maybe if I stretch three teachers that I thought were really, truly excellent teachers uh, that were there not for their political agenda, but were truly there to encourage learning encourage kind of a, uh, a positive, constructive discourse, um, you know, but that's like, I mean, if you think about all of the years and all of the teachers I interacted with, they only have three uh, that I could look back on and say, yep, I remember that teacher and I love their classes. They clearly had a passion. They weren't trying to indoctrinate people. They were really trying to encourage free thought uh, that's pretty sad statistically. Um, and regardless if you're a good teacher or not, you're right. They're not getting paid enough to make life and death, death decisions uh, with active shooters. Uh, and, and I don't no. think I don't think any of our children, any of our children anywhere should ever, ever have to face that. Um, the police and they just released video this last week. The police didn't even try. They didn't even try to go into the room, into the school uh, in in Texas. They didn't. They didn't even try. That should be a surprise to no one. People that don't act and they have the power to act and the power to save lives, and you don't. That is the the utmost show of cowardice uh, that anyone anywhere could ever possibly display, and that is it's it's unforgivable. Uh, in my mind, uh, these are kids. These are elementary school children. And um, I, I made a post or I put a post on online and I shared this meme with you, Mike. Um, it was a picture of the uh, the Blue Lives Matter flag with the, the thin blue line. Rah, rah. And it said, these colors don't run. And in parentheses, it said into buildings where there's an active shooter. Um and my dad, who's who's like a, a thousand percent Trump, said that's why he said uh, everyone has the right to defend themselves. And I said not elementary school children because uh, they don't. They don't vote. They can't buy. They can't buy firearms. Nor should they. Uh, that's not the point. That's not the point I'm trying to make. I just want to be clear. Um, but then he said uh, that's why teachers need to be armed. And that's what got me really thinking, like, man, if, if my gym teacher, if that guy had a had an open carry or we knew he was carrying in high school, it would have been game over. Like, he would have been drill sergeant. You would have had to, like, I mean, he was the type of guy that kept the women's locker room open because his office had doors to the women's locker room and the men's locker room. He kept both doors open so he could watch everybody change, you know. But if that guy had a gun, like, Jesus, 
You know, like that would have been a whole uh, different dynamic. The people that say teachers should carry guns are also the people that lose their minds when like these SJW freaks try to teach about gender studies to in you know grade schools. Uh, so, you know, they really need to think about what they're asking. Do you want the gender queer kindergarten teacher who cries when you say mean words to them to be carrying a gun to defend children when a psycho comes in. That doesn't seem like a good long-term strategy for success. And I'm not attacking the teacher. People are all different. I'm just saying that that is not somebody who is going to shoot somebody else. They, most of those people, and I've met a lot of them, and so yeah. have you, cannot handle dealing with somebody who is abrasive towards them let alone somebody who's trying to kill them. Yeah, and I think I think to be very, very clear here is that there are terrible people. They're out there. You know, maybe you live next to one of them. Maybe they come into your store and berate you and ask to speak to the manager. Uh, but there's terrible people out there. Um, but I think the point that we're trying to make is not that any of these terrible people are correct or should be, you know, like somehow exonerated. But the, But the point is that these are the same people that say, I don't want this liberal teacher teaching whatever, whatever to my son or daughter, but I trust them to carry a gun to save my, my, my offspring's life. You can't have it both ways, you know, like, right. or, or you've got, and, and on the, and on the flip side, let's just say the flip side. I don't want this conservative teacher teaching my children that the founding fathers were hundred percent right like I don't, I don't like that teacher, but also I trust him to use lethal force if needed. Like that's not how that that's not how that works, you know. Like you can't sit there and and on one hand say, oh, all the teachers are super liberal and we hate them all, and then say, well, they should all carry guns, and then they'd save my kids. Like no, that's not how that works. Like you understand, like taking another life, that's a huge, huge. I mean, that's a huge thing. And certain morality or moral codes allow for it. But I think, and I, you know what? So I've never killed anybody. I, I have no desire to kill anybody. Um, you know, my grandfather killed a lot of people in, the, in World War II and he never talked about it. So all I can surmise in, in trying to flex my empathy muscle, all I can surmise is regardless of your thoughts, if you think you're justified or not in taking a life, um, it's not it's not going to prepare you for actually doing it, and it's not going to prepare you for any any sort of guilt or remorse or anything that you might feel after the fact. Like that's not something that you're you can just you know overwrite with whatever you think your moral moral code is. Um, I think even shooting a, a bad person. Uh, killing a bad person in in self preservation, I think you're still going to feel guilt somewhere somehow. Uh, if you're if you're anywhere close to a decent human, um, I don't I I don't know for sure. I'm just trying to think like, you know, trying to put myself in in some of those situations where it's like, you know, of course I would I would sit here and say yes, of course I would uh, I would storm the school and uh, take out the shooter, uh, but also I wasn't there and. You know, 
I don't live in fantasy land. I have no idea what I would do in that situation. Yeah, yeah. I, I just wanted but, to, uh, uh, you know, just bring that up. Right. I, I think that I, I don't want to sound too harsh on the teachers. I watched a TikTok video compilation of all these crazy teachers, and there's only like a dozen of them that were clearly out of their minds with their politics. And they were all grade school teachers, of course. So it was like, do I want those 12 people carrying a gun in a school? No. Uh, I think back to all the teachers I had. A couple of them probably were carrying guns. In fact, I know that one of my teachers had a gun in his vehicle because uh, I was his student aide and he was a hunter. So he had his shotgun and his gun dog out in his truck uh, yeah. during the school day. Part of my job was to go up there and feed and water and walk the dog. <laughs> but uh, yeah, but I mean that's you know, different. I mean that's different than open carrying, carrying in the school. You know what I mean? Right. Right. He wasn't carrying a gun in the hallway. Or and whatever. there's people. And there's people that are responsible gun owners. Okay. You know they keep them in safes. They make sure they're unloaded. They you know they don't hand loaded guns to to complete strangers. You know they they know what's going on. They know that it's a tool. They understand that. They understand that just like a like a pocket knife, or uh, even a lighter or a box of matches. It's a tool. You can do great harm with those tools if you if you are so inclined. Uh, but if you're responsible, and we talk about personal responsibility all the time on this show, um, you know, I'm not worried about one of my neighbors having a semi-automatic AR-15. You know, that's not necessarily an assault rifle. But that's what the media calls it. Um, you know, if, well, if they're responsible episode, people. We talk about uh, gun control, what we think should happen. Because I. No, uh, I, th- I think we should. I think I we should talk about I have a very firm idea of what should be done. Yeah, and that'll be next. That a lot of people who are firearms enthusiasts have a same, the same idea. Because I've been talking. I've talked to many people about this over the years. Yeah. Uh, all of whom are pro-gun. I really don't know anybody who's anti-gun, to be honest with you. Uh, yeah, I think there are people out there that I've uh, interacted with that are, are very clearly anti-gun. I don't necessarily talk to them anymore. Um, and I'm not going to say that they have a that they have a point, um, but we'll get into it more in like next episode. But um, like I said, you know these these school shootings. Um, I never thought about it. I never thought about anything like, uh, like honestly, like all my school, uh, you know, up until high school, um, was all tornado drills and fire drills, right? And then nine eleven happened, and that happened live in my my first period class, and that that like rocked my world. Um, How did you start school that late? Mine was in second or third period. Well, maybe it was second or third period. I don't know. You know, that was 2001 and it's 2022. So it was quite a while ago. I remember because I I remember that day very clearly because my dad was in Washington, D.C. at that time. Okay. So I had to get called into the principal's office and he called the school. He He had an office at the Pentagon at that time. You know, all that jazz. So I don't think it was, I don't think it started, but it was like, so after our first class, in the hallway, some kids were saying, oh, some idiot pilot flew into a building in New York. Like, I can't believe it. They're just a moron, you know? And that's what we thought. And then I don't know how they heard about it, 
But then I went to my next class, which was uh, social studies. And the and the teacher, and he was the football coach too. Um, so he could be he could be fairly intense. Uh, but I can't I can't ever forget like what he what he said to us and and the way he said it and the way he looked when he said it and he said uh, he said something well I don't remember exactly the words but I remember like the feeling um, and just like you could tell like you know this is 2001 so I was in my I think my sophomore year my uh, yeah my sophomore year of high school and it was like you could just tell like you're a young kid and you're, you know, you're feeling like good and you're like, I'm almost an adult and, and stuff. But like, man, when somebody comes out and says, look, we got to watch this news thing because it's happening live. And, uh, whatever we had planned for today, it takes a second seat to, to what's happening here. And, uh, I mean, that's just impactful as, as a, as a young kid, as a teenager, you know, and, uh, for, oh, sure. for I didn't think for, it was real. I thought it was a hoax. For, for a teacher to to like kind of level with you in that in that way, um, like this is something serious is happening. And I remember, the only thing I heard about it was some pilot, and I, so I'm thinking like a little Cessna or a little two seater plane uh, flew into a skyscraper in New York. You know, like oh, obviously that's a mistake. Like how how dumb can you be? Like look, it's right there. It's huge. It's a skyscraper. Like miss it. Like don't hit it. Um, don't fly that close. Uh, but then he turned on the plane and the, and the one tower was smoking and we actually saw live the second plane hit and um, we saw the second plane hit and we, we had the same, you know, or at least I did, um, the instantaneous realization that the newscasters had, you know, because they, they were thinking it was a mistake or it was an error, pilot error, somebody was drunk uh, under the influence. They had no idea. Like, how would you know? And then to see that second, that second airplane hit um you know very clearly not a mistake uh but it was a very very impactful i don't know awakening um end of innocence as it were um to my childhood yeah and there were other things happening. Like I was born in 86 and that's when the Berlin wall fell. Uh, but I was an infant. So, you know, it doesn't, doesn't matter. Um, you know, in Korea and some other things happened, but I was too young and OJ Simpson happened, but I was in elementary school. So I had no idea of what the implications either way were. Um, but when you watch a, an airliner crash into a skyscraper with, you know, thousands of people in it, on live TV, that's, I mean, that's different. Oh, sure. And school shootings. I mean, we've had school shootings in Minnesota, uh, both justified, a.k.a. the police shooting criminals and mass shootings. And, uh, yeah. No laws have changed here. That's for sure. And we'll talk about it again next episode, but it's not considered a, a mass shooting unless more than four people die, not including the shooter. Sure. Um, but, I, you know, when it comes to schools, I don't think anyone should die, um, except maybe the person with the gun that's going in there to preferably shoot kids. Not. Yeah, preferably not. I know that there was a school resource officer in Minnetonka a couple of years back uh, that shot a child having a mental health episode uh, at an after that was playing basketball an after school program or something 
you know? So even somebody who's trained to carry a gun in a school is susceptible to using the gun against a child that there's no reason for that to have happened. The, the, the child didn't have a weapon, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yep. So well, um, and that's why you can't possibly, <laughs> with what you pay teachers, you can't possibly expect them to be trained to the level beyond the level of police officers. Because if uh, Texas has shown us anything, what where would you ever suspect the most rah rah let's go shoot the bad guy police force would ever possibly be? It would be Texas in my mind. I mean, that's the whole state's sure, persona. You know, part of the that's, stereotype for sure. That's the stereotype, and for them to to wait and and be detaining uh, parents outside the school building, and to not go in and shoot the bad guy, like if they can't go and do their basic job, how would you ever expect a uh, a teacher whose primary job is to instill knowledge uh, to ever be able to do anything w- with a gun? Right. I am done with my cigar, by the way. Uh, smoked it right to the nub. It was good. Well, that's good. I've got about uh, an inch left, um, but it's been it's been good. Uh, it's getting a little little harsh here at the end. Um, but the middle I, part. I tossed mine out with about an inch left, but that to me is about the nub. I'm not. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Burn my mouth or whatever. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to put it on a uh, no. clip. No, so, uh, but by and large, this, this so far, I think to me has been the second best. Uh, I would say it probably second best. Yeah. Thus far. I would not recommend it. Uh, Yeah. I I don't know. Maybe if, if you like lighter cigars, possibly if you like lighter, if you're, if you're a huge honey, honey addict, um, I would say, sure. Go for it. Right. Um, yeah, and if you ask me what the second best CAO flavors was, I would, I would say probably the Gold Honey uh, thus far. Um, but I would say, why would you want the second best when you could just go for Moon Trance? Right. Yeah, that's like I say, that is uh, S tier. That is uh, very, very good. Yes. It's always in my humidor. It's right there with the Kentucky Shrew. It's got to yep. be in there, you know. Yeah. I run out, I buy more. <laughs> <laughs> buy them in bulk yep alright well that's it for this episode thanks for listening take care now